Hey everyone, it's John Kerwin here and I'm really excited as this is my podcast called Open Minded. This podcast is interviewing inspirational people from all walks of life. You know, I want to give you the real stuff that's happening every day in the minds of these leaders, how they stay well in high pressure roles, how they build resilience in themselves, how they look after their people, and how can you invest in yourself and your people to do mental well-being well. So this is JK and this is Open Minded. So let's go. Well, incredibly excited to uh, to be back with you peoples. I have Ronnie Clark with me, who um, we actually, we used to play together. Well, he was coming in as I was going out, but Ironi is a former New Zealand rugby union player who played for Auckland, the Blues, the Highlanders, Ronnie. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. And the All Blacks, yeah. All Black number 919. He made 155 appearances for Auckland, making him the fifth equal with Sean Fitzpatrick, most capped player in Union's history. He also scored 73 tries for Auckland, the fourth most in Union history. Ronnie's sister is also a former Silver Fern, Cheryl Clark. Now, Ronnie became the 21st former All Black, whose son also represented the team when his son, Blues winger Caleb Clark, debuted for for New Zealand in 2020. Um, And this this is the most amazing thing um, that I'm so excited about. In August 2020, Ronnie was appointed New Zealand's rugby first ever Pacifica engagement manor. Um, a proud New Zealander, a proud uh, Samoan um, man, also proud of his heritage and one of the leaders in our, in our current Pacifica community, especially um, encouraging Moana Pacifica, encouraging Pacifica to um, be the best they can be. So I'm incredibly excited to have you here, Ronnie, and thanks for your time, Malo, my friend. We Malo, soy fuego, sunga, JK, John. It's always a, a a pleasure to be to to always to be associated with you in any sort of things, particularly as we impact on the community. But I mean, as a kid too, bro. I you know I was it was part of my dream to play for Auckland, and of course, you your generation was that was a quite an amazing generation that took Auckland to whole new levels of success and the All Blacks too. So. It was my honour to have to, to share that the field with you a few times before you'd um, gone, bro. So, yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you, bro. Hey, Ronnie, just tell me a little bit about your background. Born in Samoa, tell me a little bit uh, so everyone understands, um, you know, born in Samoa and your parents came here. Tell us a little bit about that. I think before um, Dad was a scholarship student, there was a relationship between New Zealand government and, and the Pacific government, particularly Samoa, where when you're... When you're when, um, a, a, uh, when you reach to senior high school level, you'd sit an exam, and if you pass the exams, you'd spend your last two years schooling in New Zealand. So Dad was a scholar. He did that. He, he came to New Zealand, uh, went to Wanganui Boys College, and um, and he schooled there. So he already had a taste of what it's like in a Western um, society in, 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 New, in New Zealand. And I think that's where, for him, that dream started, that when he goes home and starts a, a family that there was the dream was to bring his children to New Zealand so that they could have a better chance, better opportunities at life, which is the, the dream for probably all of our Pacific families that come to New Zealand. So when dad did that, interesting though, when dad was here, he was befriended a scholarship student from Fiji. They became best friends and they made a pact that when they go home, meet their wives, have children, that they were their firstborn sons, they would name each other's name. This man's name was Eroni Vangafiku, Fijian. And, um, and dad honored that. He went home, met mom, started a family, and named his firstborn son, Irani. So that was, 
Oh, that's how I got my name and bed on a bed. So then he brought us to New Zealand and like all things JK, where we start, we lived in Mangele from Mangele to Greek Greyland, from Greyland to Oweraka, Oweraka to Henderson. And that kind of started that journey, but there was really mum and dad's hearts really to their children. A better opportunity at life was the plan and was the heart of what they wanted to do. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a migration, isn't it? I was brought up in South Auckland and Pacifica do tend to stick together as communities and and migrate through. But I'll just tell um, one of the most now Aroni came onto the scene, people, and he was devastating, big, strong, fast. But I was very, very fortunate to be invited to his wedding. And here is a man that stood up the front of the altar and sang his beautiful wife, Siala, into the church. And we were just like, hey, this doesn't happen, man. We can never, even no one can ever get married again. So how is your beautiful family, Ronnie, and how are you coping with the lockdown? Yeah, all are well. Um, we've got our routines um, set in, in motion with, our, with all our family and um, the, 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 the kids are, the great thing about it, our, our kids are also at home. So they're in their 20s. So Caleb's here, um, EJ, my eldest son, our daughter's overseas. Um, but we've got a couple of little uh, whippersnappers too, a nine-year-old nine and an 11-year-old. And so they're, they're, we've got all our routines. It's going well, but, um, but we're getting through this time. We're hoping for better news soon anyway. Ronnie, always been incredibly, um, you know, religious, very, very open and honest about your faith. And I know that it's a very, very important part of your life in general. So how, I mean, when I first went into lockdown, this is, and I've, I've told everyone this, I was really anxious, Ronnie, just because I wasn't ready for it the second time. Don't know why, really stupid. And of course, Fiorella and uh, Francesca aren't here Luke, Nico's overseas, so I didn't have my normal family around me. But how 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 is it is it going? A for you personally with you know the the anxiety around it, and B how is Pacifica coping without having what is really your meeting place, which is the church on Sunday? Yeah, well, we're still seeing today that you know when we think about um, a holistic approach with Pacific peoples, spirituality is still one of our biggest. It's one of our protective factors when we think about well, what are some of the key things that keep us well. And spirituality is really important. Pacific people still have a huge connection to church and faith, um, which is really important. And so that's been a huge part of it. And as, as you've already alluded to, to, JK, that it's been throughout our whole lives. So, but And so still is for, for us, for us as a family in terms of every night. I mean, that's been one of the wonderful things too, was that, you know, we one of the things that we've just we've, we've got to do as a family is prayer is an important part. So we pray every night. We've got a list of that we want to pray for. We're praying for the government. We're praying for the whole situation um, in New Zealand and um, COVID and globally as well. And so that's been a real important part for us as a, as a family to remain keeping us in terms of our well-being, um, being connected spiritually. So that's been a, a that still is a huge part of Pacific peoples. It is still a huge part of our family um, going through these times of uncertainty and that's probably the that gives us the surety is that our faith is the um, is our bedrock and our foundation the what if if there's any palangis out there if you ever get the opportunity to go to a feast after church on sunday <laughs> i recommend it palusami fried taro chop suey it is the greatest uh, thing you'll see and one of the lovely things i also saw 
um, not only in New Zealand context, but also in the Pacifica context, it is about taking time out mentally on a Sunday, going to your faith, spending time with family. Mm-hmm. So how, mental, the mental health side of that, how, how are you dealing um, by not being able to get those connections on a Sunday? How, how do you do that? That's right. Um, family is a big part of that, important in terms of that um, that mental well-being. Um, I think the, the, the thing about it for us is using now, obviously, technology over Zoom, over other things to really try and have that same level of connection. It obviously, face-to-face, we're all people of face-to-face, particularly us, us as Pacific peoples. Um, but I think the relationships that are at home are the real one of the real key important things. Family and whānau are important. And as you know, JK, like very similarly for us as family, it's not just our immediate family, it's our wider family, it's our community family. And now that's not happening is trying to find ways, creative ways of maintaining, if not the same level of relationship, but just trying to stay connected is even more important. It, I suppose what's been really cool about this too is that it's really We've got our daughter Shekinah's overseas, so we, we, we Zoom with her every night, which is a wonderful thing. So we're maintaining that level of connection. Um, family that are overseas, even dad, my dad's still, you know, dad's been, you know, he's, he's now learning how to do Zoom. He's learning how to do all the technology and update himself so that we can maintain that level of connectedness. And so for us as Pacific peoples, that's, that's really, really important. And I think it's, it's, it's good for anyone in terms of their well-being, what are ways that we try to find to keeping ourselves connected, especially to family and friends? I think just for, like, I am in a cross-cultural marriage, so um, as you know, Farrell is the boss in my household, um, you know, and my children grew up with both languages, but how, how did you find that balance between making sure you keep um your Samoan heritage and keep that well alive but also find the mix between being New Zealanders you know because you're a proud Samoan New Zealander or New Zealander Samoan however you want to do that what would you say to young parents that are bringing up their children in in two cultures and how you keep both of those strong yeah what I would say is probably the most important thing is remember I think one thing that you don't have to I think many of our our, the, the, the thing about this, the generational, intergenerational journey, JK, you know, how our, my parents, our, how they see life and some of the values that we are taught and passed down through generation, like alofa, love, like fa'aloalo, respect, you know, look, like lotomaulalo, humility, some of these values that are passed down, they shift the way that they outwork through our generation. So alofa to my parents, love, as maybe outwork differently to the way that my children um, uh, uh, see love and whaaluala respect. So really kind of trying to um, find and keep maintain that connection. The heart of it is still there, which we're finding because we've seen culture emerges, uh, emerge, it, it, it evolves over time. So for us really is trying to, one of the key things that's been really important is to acknowledge that and seeing how the changes over the years, but also too, so I would say to parents is maintain those same values maintain and also to the same thing about it too is to continue to encourage as much as we can wherever our wherever our levels of language is language is important learn to speak even ourselves I mean we though we were raised with parents who spoke to us in Samoan um, we did that up until we were five but as soon as we started school we started coming home and our parents would speak to us in Samoan we would reply in English and so it started to and that became a lot more of a norm and we realized now our children going up 
it's dad how do i say title for I, I don't understand what nana's and what grandpa are trying to say to me and uh, when they're talking someone and you realize oh my goodness okay so i'm trying to acknowledge their journey of where they're at in terms of their cultural understanding of who they are but i think what's really important though jk is is helping is one of the parents to parents young parents is help their children to identify that who they are is really important that they're not defined by their surroundings but they're defined by their massive family it's funny i was um my my mum and dad was if i asked them mum and dad would say mum dad what, what would you say if somebody asked you what you are what would you say oh i'm a samoan okay and so if somebody and i said so well if somebody asked me ronnie what are you because i'm a samoan um of Tongan heritage, of, 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 of Clark on the Irish side. And, and they're like, oh, okay. Now, when I asked my children, what are you? If I asked you, what are you? What would you say? They would say, dad, I'm a Kiwi. I'm a Samoan, but I'm a Samoan. I'm a Tuman and Samoan from mum's side as well. Irish on your side, dad. Tongan as well from your side. So they acknowledge for them, they see themselves as Kiwis first, but also of Samoan, Tongan, Rutuman heritage and Irish heritage. So those are some of the things that they really begin identifying and helping them to understand what parts of those cultures and who they are. So, yeah. So you you sort of understand those values, but then are prepared to change the delivery to, yeah. to deal with the young people. And, and like, how, how did you navigate that as a, as, as a parent? Yeah, that's a good question. When I allowed, sense, you can't susser them anymore, mate. Yeah, that's right. That's right. When you got a sense that, oh, that's not respectable. Hey, <laughs> just pulling them up and going, yeah. hey, before Section 65 came into existence, it was, you know, this is how we grew up. And then, you know, you guys are, um, but it's I really, I think what was really important is those relationships, um, really building strong relationships. And, you know, if I can use one for as an example, I mean, Dad was an international, he played for Samoa. Um, and, you know, I, I dreamed of playing for the All Blacks. I was, I was a seven-year-old watching the, the All Blacks versus um, versus Scotland at Eden Park, the 75 waterlog game. And Dad said, watch the number 11. And, you know, I was super iron. He, he played, yeah, yeah. he put a couple of tries. And that's when the dream started for me. And I realised, you know, with, with, with the likes of, and then, of course, with for Caleb, that that um, that dream for him was was very similar. But one of the things that he struggled with, JK, was was he said, oh, Dad, I don't want to grow up with people always saying, comparing me to you. And I said to him, son, mm. I tell you, 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 can't, you won't be able to escape that, unfortunately, because people will know who you are and there'll, there'll always be comparisons. But the one thing that's important is you've got to know the truth of who you are. Mm. Truth of who you are is you are Caleb Clark, these are, this is your family, you are of this heritage, of this culture, this is who you are. Don't be defined, don't, don't begin to, 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 to find yourself being influenced by what's talk and what's not. You've got to come back to the truth of who you are. That's what's really important. And that's why, and so it's coming back to identity, it comes mm -hmm. back to culture, it comes back to the values you were raised with, JK. So those are important things still, I believe, for all, anyone of different cultures, of all ethnicities. I had a um, fantastic discussions with Tofinga last week. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful man and, um, you know, bringing humour when it's needed. And he is working really, really hard in the community around mental health. Yes. And, um, you know, Pacifica and Māori don't have a um, great reputation around the stats. I mean, how, how do we 
actually reach out? Do you think it's a, a disconnection from the culture? Where do you think um, the mental health issue is, is lying? The stats are skewed the wrong way. Yeah. And what do we need to do, do you believe, to reach out to these, these youngsters? Uh, it's, and it, the, 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 the amazing thing about where we're at today, with it, particularly with young people, I mean, if you got to look at the statistics, um, for Pacific, anxiety is probably the highest mental disorder in terms of what they, they're impacted by, which then, of course, can spin them off to so many other things, particularly around suicide and taking those, those sorts of things. So one of the things that's really, really important is understanding, okay, so what are, what are some of the, the protective factors? What are some of the things that keep us well in terms of our well-being as Pacific peoples? Some of the research that we're seeing coming out of, um, out of groups like LEVAR, um, we found that um, for some of the things that we've already talked about, spirituality is a protective factor for Pacific. So trying to keep, and not just in terms of church, but also the connection in terms of their values, what's really important in terms of spirituality. Um, cultural identity has also been, um, we've, as we've talked about already, JK, is a, is a strength and protective factor for our Pacific. So young people who grow up and understanding of who they are, um, are, are a lot more in terms of um, in terms of their ability to cope with life um, has been really important that we've seen um, cultural identity. Another one is around now around having strong families. And, you know, looking at today, it's, you know, there's such a huge impact on negative impact on families. I mean, family violence is huge in, in our Pacific communities. How do our young people deal with that? So having strong families is still a protective factor. And so how do we build stronger families within our, within our communities? Connection is really important. We've touched on relationships. Those are some of the really key things in terms of the VAR between that state, that sacred space between people are really key and important for us as Pacific peoples. And then one of the other things that have come out of research that's really important for us as Pacific peoples is around Talanoa. And you know, us males, you know, you, you all know in terms of the, we're not good at Talanoa. We're not good at in terms of just talking about how we're feeling. And I think that's, but yet now we're starting to see through research that we're seeing this next generation of young people coming through that they're ready to talk a lot more than they were probably in our generation and the generation before ours. That talking now that they're about their feelings, about their emotions is becoming a more of a strength factor. So we've got some key things there, JK. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I spoke to an Australian actor last week called Sam Webb, and I'm just looking down because I wrote this saying down, and I wanted wanted to talk to you about it in the Pacifica context. So, and, and this this I believe this is true right across, um, not just um, male, but also I think in the workplace. So modern men are stuck in an outdated version of what masculinity means. Mm. And it does not fit anymore into society. Mm. And I mm. thought, you know, that that is so strong. And 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 I think sometimes what I've noticed is that the, the, there is also the hierarchical thing in 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 Samoan custom, which is a huge strength, but also can can be some weaknesses. So how how do you break down that by giving respect to the elders, but the elders also need to, to understand that. You know, some of those things are outdated. We want to keep the respect, but we need our young people to be able to have a bit more of a voice. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, a, one of the areas is around education again. 
education for our and it's and it's not going to be something that's going to be changed over time because it took years for our culture to get that way that you're right in all of our pacific cultures there are hierarchical systems that are already in place through you know the kingdom tonga is still a kingdom samoa has the matai system you know cook islands have the ariki system fiji has the ratu so there's always this hierarchical but and also I think one, one of the things that, so to, over time that it changes with education, but I think over time as well, we're seeing, we've touched on that intergenerational shifts of culture as it evolves. And so you're kind of starting to ask the challenges for, our, for even our generation is how that's looking at life through the eyes of our children and realizing that for us to be able to better connect with them, that it's not just them, that it's not them that needs to change, that we have to change too. And I think that's the, 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 the wonderful thing about it is that meeting that connection, uh, finding a place of connection within the two generations. So that's been the challenge. That's certainly your challenge that I've had to really um, see, not just between myself and my children, but also the, that shift between my, that hierarchical system between myself and my parents. I mean, dad, I never ever, I grew up never hearing my dad say to me that, son, um, I, I love you, or son, I'm proud of you. And I think it wasn't until I made the All Blacks, JK, it was the first time I can recall hearing my dad say to me, son, I'm proud of you. And that's not because my dad doesn't love me or yeah. not proud of me, but rather it's because that's the way he was growing. It's not a show of your emotions. You don't show that it was influenced by the hierarchical system. And so I realized as a son that if, for me to be, a, to be even to, to, as a father, that I, it had to be something for me to be able to bring that change, to break that cycle, so that my children will always hear them hear me say, son, I love you, daughter, I love you. And it's been something, the great thing about it, when, when dad first said that to me, I realized that I needed to make that change. I needed to make that courageous conversation with my father, raised in Samoa, in the Samoan way. And it, and it was a very courageous conversation for me. And the amazing thing about it was that dad turned to me and when I said to him, dad, I, I, I really want to have a better relationship between you and I and even better than what you have with your dad. And with that understanding, my dad, he just, it, it really broke, it broke something in him. And, you know, today, you know, which has been wonderful having grandchildren too, because they must soften your parents yeah. even more so. Yeah. Dad, every time I'm talking to dad on the phone, it's, yeah, I love you, son. Oh, I love you too, dad. So yeah, yeah. something that's of, of, that's part of our normality now. So I think those are kind of some of the things for our, my generation, our generation to think about in terms of where we've come from and where we need to go and the changes that we need, need to make today. And you're, you've become the first ever Pacifica engagement manager at the NZR, a fantastic move. Mm. And it was really interesting. I was watching the test match on on the weekend and I was actually listening to Sonny Bill and Sonny Bill's did something about Pacifica saying, you know, we're now 60 or 70% of, of, you know, sport and, and across both Australia and New Zealand. Mm. You know, what, what an amazing thing. What do you think your um, biggest challenges are to, to continue to make those young rugby players continue to grow and be community leaders? Because I think, um, you know, I, I was a full amateur until the very end of my career. You're probably half and half, but you've yeah. gone on to be a community leader. How do we encourage, especially our young Pacifica, to, to A, look after themselves financially so that they can 
sustain some of the earnings and, and look after themselves, but then also keep growing to be leaders in their community. They're doing such an amazing job. So yeah. where, what is your role actually in town? Yeah, the role is a multifaceted role. And uh, there's only one person there at the moment, and it's me. Um, which, and, that, that's, and of course, that's how we usually start, which is fine. The wonderful thing about it, as we've always seen over the years, um, JK, that we've, you know, Pacific have been represented well on the field, you know, since the days of BG and before BG. And then, of course, in your time with ICE and many others that came, Bunsy that came through, and then of all of us that came through from then, and where we are seeing the statistics, not just in New Zealand and Australia, but I mean, now we just got to turn our TV, look at Europe and yes, Scotland, England, you know, Wales, Japan, so many of these international teams that are have Pacific peoples playing in there. So the thought, the first question that begs to me is, one is the question that you've asked in terms of, so what's the pathways for these young men and women onto certain other different things? Will they go on to be influencers as many have had been in the past? in different parts of society, let alone justice and sport? What about in community? Will they go on to business? Will they go on to and become um, role models there? You know, SBG was a role model that we looked at. We thought, wow, I want to be like him. The more role models that we see in those places, in business, in education, in sport, as we already have, in health, then, of course, more of the, the dreams and the aspirations of the next generation want to be able to, to look at and say, oh, if he, they can do it, so can I. And so that's one of the key things is really trying to then help. How do we create more better pathways for our young men and women, especially when they're finishing and they're retiring or as they're going through their, um, their, their journey of their professional careers? The other thing to think about too is to think about, well, okay, we've been in this environment for a long time, but does this environment still help us to be who we are in these environments? As, our, as in the rugby communities, do they, in our past experiences, have they helped us to be and maintain who we are? Or did we have to park our pacificness at the door when we walked into, the, into, our, into our club rooms, into our changing rooms? And I think to think about then is, okay, so how do we enhance the community? How do we better help our rugby wider community to be better culturally responsive? How to understand Basfika better? I mean, I think, I, think I, I believe the players on the field you know, both young men and women, we do it so well. But I think what really needs to help and where the, this cultural change and shifts need to come, JK, is within the organisations from New Zealand rugby down to our supers and organisations to the provincial unions and also our clubs need to understand how better to understand and work with Pacific peoples. So I think, um, I think uh, my, you know, John Arkoy's daughter, um, Jessica, she's, yeah. she's an amazing young woman. He's got amazing, great, great, great uh, daughters. But Jessica is right into the Pacific, and she often challenges us and my generation, Pakia Palangi. Mm. You know, you're you got to be careful. You're not generational racists, which means you know you you don't know it, but you've got this prejudice that you not don't realize. And it's been a little bit disappointing at times over the last you know four weeks during lockdown that I've seen and read stuff where people just don't understand or are starting to blame Pacifica from South Auckland. And I'm going, seriously? So what would, what, would, what would you say to someone who does not understand Pacifica culture, has never been around it? I've been very fortunate to have been around it all my life. Yeah. Um, what would the two or three things you would advise before people judge 
to look into the Pacifica community and then make a decision? Yeah, I, I think one of the first things to understand is to, to know is how do I find out more about Pacific peoples? Who do I need to contact to understanding? Okay, so are there workshops that help us to understand Pacific peoples better? If so, cool. Is it within our organization? Does the organization have one? So I think those are kind of the key questions to kind of ask then, okay. And, and then you might be working with Pacific peoples. It's, it's just as simple as sit down and talk to them and ask them. So that might be, that's another good good step towards your cultural, uh, cultural competency, if you like. Um, and so those are probably two key ways to find out. Ask, talk to your neighbor if it's someone, or talk to so your work colleague. Have a sit down, have it take five minutes and they'll start, you. it's amazing that what your world begins from here to here when you're just sitting and understanding, um, understanding and hearing more about why Pacific people do what they do. JK, I, I remember when when Graham was, um, when Gary came, first came on as Auckland coach, remember that, that, that very early 90s after BG and Morris had finished, one of the things that he obviously um, um, started to bring on some some younger guys, that young men who were Pacific, but you know, Graham had that one style fits all, bark, swear, shout type of approach in coaching. And um, and so the problem was, was that the Pacific boys weren't responding very well to it. And so one of the questions he asked Michael and I was, how do I get better out of without these Pacific boys? And as we started to talk to him, Graham, when you shout and swear and bark at Pacific, in their minds are thinking, one, the coach doesn't like me. Two, what have I done wrong? And three, with all the other pressures that come on them too, they won't perform well and they were making mistakes. And so one of the things that for Graham that he began to ask himself in terms of best practice was, all right, so here it is, here's the landscape of our team. What do I need to do to be a better coach? And he changed, which was really, which was quite a relief actually, but at the same time too, was in terms of, you know, Auckland, we were able to still maintain that, that success. So um, through those early to mid nineties, but I think that's, that, that's kind of a story that really helps someone to get to understand who did reach out and ask um, re and, and looking at their own in terms of their journey and, their, and the way that they were in terms of the, the place of influence where they were, that they needed to change themselves. That it wasn't about changing the environment or changing people, it was they realized the change has to come from me. And so that was, a, that was quite a, a good story really actually to see. And so what does success look like, Ronnie, if you were gonna morph this role um, yep. you know, forward three, four, five years, what does success look like for you? I'm probably asking you two, two questions, really. One, mm -hmm. from a rugby sense and, and um, two, from a community sense, you know, especially around the mental health stuff. Yeah. One of the, the ways it's always been, and just working through, working in the mental health and, and addictions for me was really, okay, so a couple of things to, to really begin to look at. What does success look like is, one is looking and seeing a workforce or seeing a community that looks in the places of influence that look like me, think like me. And so having, having a workforce or having um, places, people in places of influence um, who uh, think the same way, I mean, one, it brings diversity into those places, but also too, it helps to enhance the environment in terms of just you know, um, better connections with Pacific people. So that's the, probably one of the first things, just really looking at building the, the capacity of, of, 
of, of, of the organizations, seeing more Pacific people. Secondly, for me was, okay, so with our people that are there, with, with, with our workforce that are there, the wider workforce, how do we help them to better um, understand Pacific peoples better? So having workshops, having resources, having um, uh, uh, the tools there that help people to engage with it, help them to better understand Pacific people. So it just doesn't bring a mind shift for people, but it also brings a heart shift for people to, in terms of working better and, and having empathy to, towards someone of different cultures. So those are probably, and then providing pathways and thinking about in terms of the young men and women that are playing about in terms of what are their pathways? Where are they gonna go from here? So thinking about their leadership development. And so how do we um, um, have programs that are going to help them and this will all need to have in terms of uh, this all needs to have um, a, a real um, think tank around who do we connect who can we connect with in the wider community so is it connecting with ministry of pacific peoples that are going to help us to guide this is it connecting in with the different sectors like pacifica futures or leva or 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 looking at governance um, um, uh, workshops those sorts of things and creating those pathways. So over the next three, three to four, two to three years, really is building relationships with some of these stakeholders in my uh, through my role, and also too, I think my heart and vision, my ultimate heart and vision, J.K. for New Zealand rugby is with with Pacifica people playing globally rugby globally around the world is that when the world wants to know how to better connect with Pacific peoples. New Zealand rugby have got the template to do that. That New Zealand rugby are doing it and doing it well. So for me, those are probably some of the, that's that's my heart and vision. And that's what New Zealand rugby is uh, hard is to unify and inspire. So and that's Beautiful, Ronnie. Now you've walked into a Palangi world many times. So what would you say, because one of the things that I've understood is it's you have some incredibly talented young Pacifica mm. um, men and women out there but they do feel a little bit intimidated sometimes to walk into a Palangi world. I mean, you've done that. What would you say to young Pacifica? Because, you know, I'm pretty confident that it's not as bad as they probably think it might be. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's the, that's those, uh, how do we, how do we raise our children to, to be able to, to, to set them up for those sort of things. Uh, one of the things, and this is where I, I, I bumped into your wonderful niece, um, JK was around some of the workshops, the leadership workshops that we've been running in the corporate world around um, around the, the, the cultural cultural intelligence, cultural competency, but also for young Pacific and Maori to um, to to stand tall and stand strong of who they of, of of stand strong in terms of who they are in the environments of where they are. So not having to because we 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 ran a few leadership workshops in the community where many of our young people thought that they had to park who they are at the door before entering into an organization because they needed to 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 blend into their environment and be part of their environment rather than thinking that who they are and what they bring is a strength in terms of cultural intelligence is a strength to the organization and what they bring so I think that's probably one of the key things to really help young people men and women to understand is Pacific and Maori, if you like, to, to understand that who they are and what they bring in terms of their culture is a strength and is an added value to the organizations, to the teams, to the world that they move into. And I think that's probably a, a real key thing to start with with young men and women. 
And so I'm running, I'm running a organization, um, Palangi. Um, I'm really interested in this space. How would I go about actually going, well, okay, because I remember Chantal Thompson, who is a beautiful Aboriginal woman, uh, Binjani, a Binjani warrior, um, you know, three-time jiu-jitsu champion, just an amazing woman. She does a little bit of work for us at Mentimia. And she said, well, Jake, I'm pretty straight. I just want to see our people on boards and stuff. You know, but yeah, exactly. Because when you talk about that integrated world, that's yeah. what you'd want to see. But what would you say to someone who's got a, a, a majority of Palangi in their business, but they do actually want to give opportunity to a diverse range of people? Yeah, and I think the, the first thing is to start to look at is in terms of looking at well, what are the values of our of our organisation and company. If you start there, that's probably one of the key things. What does it look like in the world of diversity? If it is about if it's about connection, if it's about um, building stronger relationship with community, whatever it is, then I think that's going to be reflective in terms of starting from there and saying, okay, with our HR department, what does that look like in terms of where diversity and inclusiveness is today? How do we build that better within our organisation? How do we be able to, to look at our workforce and build um, a, a, a better relationship? How do we open doors for more people of different cultures, Pacific, Maori, um, you know, Asian, others? And I think that's where, for an organization, it really starts. And then connecting into the organizations within the community that do run cultural competency, that do run. So for me, I would look at it and say, start with Ministry of Pacific Peoples go from there, or if there's people that you know within the community that know that there are other organizations that run those, great, do that as well. Because they'll be able to help in terms of what your planning is, what your strategy might look like um, in terms of incorporating people of different cultures within your organization, particularly Pacific for me speaking. Ronnie, at, uh, at Mentimea, we're trying to find the perfect the perfect, um, you know, I call it my daily mental health plan. As you know, I got incredibly unwell mentally. Mm. And now I've gone from what I call, so, you know, just surviving to thriving. Um, so we, we try and find the ultimate recipe for great life, uh, life well lived, healthy mind. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions. Yep. Um, what do you do? How do you chill? So we have six pillars, chill, connect, do, move, celebrate, and enjoy. So yeah. the first one, what do you do to relax and calm your mind to be in the present? Yeah, for me, I mean, uh, reflectiveness, prayer, faith is still an important element for me in terms of just finding my, just just being able just to stop, stop for a moment, and just to get that, again, to know the truth of who I am. That, that's important, and, and where God sits in my life, that's really important. Then for me, I'm a muso, as you know, JK, singing is something that we've grown, grown up with in, in, our, in our, so, you know, um, the love and joy of music is important for me. Um, our, the, our children are very musical as well. So those are important things for me. Um, just sitting down with Siala, just chatting and talking has really been important. So for me, and that's the, so the, the nurturing of that, that, that relationship is important. Um, no, my, my, yep, connection, connection is how really do you, How do you connect? How do you socially connect? Yeah, so for us, is really maintaining those relationships, um, uh, keeping in contact, um, making sure that uh, we've got a group of brothers that we've grown up with. Those are really important um, too to connect with as well. Um, so those are for me. Those are kind of some of the the, the key things. That what I do you do? With. So what do you do to be creative? What sort of hobbies do you have? Um, for me, I I suppose the 
some of the, the what can I, what, what's some of the key things I'm doing now? Um, I, no, I think for me, just really maintaining relationships has been a real key thing for me, JK. Um, it's helped me, uh, hobbies. I'm reading a lot more, which has been incredible. <laughs> and it's really incredible for me. Um, but um, Reading's yeah. my lifeliner, Ronnie. I mean, I, I, uh, I've got a very active mind. So for me, reading... And I think because of my my lack of education, I love mm. reading because I feel as if I'm always getting better. Better. So, move. How do you keep active, and what works for you? I'm still training. I've, I've gotten back into training. I I had the we, we had Match Fit last year, which was a, a show with some of us. I'm, I'm sure they're going to try and get you into the SJK. Well, not that you need, but you would be such a great role model anyway. But I mean, the wonderful thing of that's probably one of been the the things I'd ballooned out to over 150 kgs, JK, and and that was just because I made a conscious decision that when I finished playing, that I was going to eat what I wanted to do when I wanted to. And, and then 50 kilos later, hello. Yeah. So I, that, that was probably one of the things that got me really back into shape again to keep me moving. Um, and plus also to my kids, you know, they were saying, dad, you got to do something. You come on. Mm. And of course, then the death of some of our good friends. Dylan really us. shook us, eh? Yep. Big time. So, um, and so those were kind of some of the things that really got me moving again, JK. And we're still doing it, still moving, good, still staying. Yeah. How do you celebrate? How do you foster a positive sense of self-compassion and celebrate things? Yeah, I think gratitude is probably a really important thing for me and seeing, um, not focusing so much on the things that I haven't got, but seeing, looking at the things, looking around me and saying, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I, my family, you know, the children are well yell as well um and just staying connected to to my friends and so that and i and i look and i see and then i look at life wider the community and saying where can i help where can i give where can i am able to and those that kind of gives me a um that sense of just um of, of lift of gratitude of yeah. just being able to impart and impact the community positively yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, I talk to people about giving because giving is such a, such a good thing for your mental health. Yeah. Um, I remember I was really unwell, Ronnie, and I went, and I went to, and unfortunately when you're in that hell, it's quite selfish. So you push people away and you're just trying to get through the day. So not really worried about anyone else, but my psychiatrist said to me once, stop being so selfish, go mm. and give to someone else. You'll feel better. And at the time it was like, whoa, I was really affronted, you know, because I was just trying to get through it. But I actually, it was a little thing, but Pharrell and I, I wasn't well, but I went out for dinner that night and then we went to the movies and I felt good because I'd given something stupid like that. But right back then, that was a hard thing to do. And I wow. felt so good. And I say to people, if you can give any time to your community or give back, honestly, it, it, it's it's certainly a two-way bridge. You certainly get as, as much back. So some quick fire questions ronnie who do you admire for having great habits and behaviors and well-being in especially in pacifica community yeah i think it's it's funny we um we you know there's a proverb in our uh, in our samoan that says that the pathway to leadership is through service and so the more that you serve you know the the more that you give as we just talked about it, it, it does lead that on to onto leadership, but it leads onto responsibilities and other things. So then you end up doing a lot more things because you, you want to do things. But um, And so one of the role models, I mean, obviously, I feel like Michael, but then 
we then when we think about it, we think, gosh, we're tired people because we have <laughs> so much to do. Um, but in terms of that, my parents, my my late mother, she was a, such an amazing, um, huge um, giver in our community, um, in the wider community especially as well. Um, so those, uh, if you if you, yeah, I think for me, I just kind of keep it that close. Jk, beautiful. Um, what are you reading? What are you reading, Aroni? Yeah, I'm, I've been reading a lot more around some of these these health books. I'm so Damon Salista's book around island time. So something that's a little more closer, pressing the right buttons by a good friend of mine named, named Alison Mooney. So oh, just, nice. and this is all people, you know, again, because I, I love people. I love some of the things that really help people, that better help people. Um, and so those are kind of things that for me, I'm starting to get into. I love the old novels, some good novels every now and then. So beautiful. Yeah. What do, do you listen to podcasts? If you do, what are you listening to? Um, I haven't listened to a podcast in a while, but usually when I do do podcasts, they're probably more some of our faith speakers um, that I do listen to some of the the podcasts. Um, but yeah, so like um, our own Portiong and many other international speakers. So yeah. What keeps you awake at night? What keeps me awake at night? Um, for me is just continue to get through these times um and it's a constant while i'm up at night too i'm talking to god about it and uh and so that that probably helps me to get to sleep in the end um but yeah just i think it's the i think that many people with family mm. making sure that family are okay even more so around these times because you know we can't just jump in the car and go see that they're okay mm. and especially so those are kind of things for me that just making sure that you know that that um yeah what what do you think an open mind is? An open mind is someone. I, I think for me, having an open mind is seeing what's in front of you, and not having um, a judgmental view on it, but really keeping looking at it and saying, okay, this is what it is from my perspective of who I am. This is what I think, and I think that's what I yeah, an open mind is. That's it. I mean, that's, I think that's such an important message for right now during COVID because. I'm reading all this stuff and I say, who am I to judge? I'll leave that to God or to Allah or to whoever who you ever believe in because he will be the ultimate judge. And while on earth, I just got to try and be the best me. I'm not going to judge anyone else around that. So who would you like me to interview next? Have you, have you got a hold of Michael? Yeah, he's going to get back to me. So I'll get Michael. Oh, cool. we'll get okay, him. And, and Inga, yeah. Inga would be another good one. Inga's on a, on a bit of a journey, a health journey himself too. Oh, and he, cool. He's got some really good, um, you know, we've, we've We've been, I've been, I had went for a bike ride with him um, a couple of times too. So, and you know, he's. I'll he's, do that. Inga is a beautiful man. I'd love to do that. So, do you have any closing messages, Irani, for our listeners and people generally out there? Yeah, I think one of the most important things for me is we're thinking about our topic today around mental well being. I think one of the, the real, really more important things for me is thinking about is thinking about some of those things that keep you well, things about connection, family, whānau. Um, also thinking about, um, and when I, if I look at it from a Pacific perspective, think about our culture, thinking about spiritualities, thinking about, you know, um, talking, talanoa, those are kind of, for me, having come from that space is really, really important. Connectedness, um, family, whānau, um, spirituality, that's important. It's a protective factor. But in terms of that, also to take that time for yourself, to keeping yourself well and thinking and reflecting of just where you're at and how how well um, you are in terms of mentally, physically, emotionally, um, um, in terms of our behavior as well, and spiritually. Those things are really, really important to keeping well. 
Irani Fafatailava. It's been an amazing journey for me to sit back as one of your, your old Palangi uh, players when you walked into that change room to see your career and now to see you um, just being an amazing leader in your community. I think our Pacifica people are in good shape if they've got leaders like you. So thanks for your time, mate. And uh, it's been a real great pleasure. JK. As I say, you're an inspiration to all of us too, bro. So, you know, the fact that you're South Auckland, not West Auckland, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, bro. It's been an honour, JK. Always been an honour with being being, spending time with you, bro. Thank you. Well, we'll we'll see you when we're out of this, whatever this next stage looks like. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Minded. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe. This podcast is everywhere you get your podcast, so make sure you do that. <laughs> I don't need to tell you how, and then you'll get my new episode straight away. And if you can leave a review, tell everyone you know about it, it'd be awesome. If you could help spread the word about the show, thanks. But also, I'd love to get your feedback. You know, I'm new to this, I want to get better, and I want to know what you want to know about mental well-being. So please reach out to us and thanks and I'll see you all soon.